I would say pardon my French, but I don't know French. Be advised. Hey y'all, I'm Jen. I'm from Oakland and I'm a queer black feminist scholar. This is Darren, hailing from the mean streets of Anaheim. I'm an introvert, a novelist, and a nerd. We're early 30-somethings with three kids and over a decade of marriage. This is a podcast about the realities of blackness and adult life. We do adult differently. This is That Black Couple. Greetings. This is episode 26 of That Black Couple. Today, we're talking about why we are not rooting for everybody black. Sit down, grab your White Claw, which I'm told is a bougie beverage. It's definitely bougie. I feel, I mean. They, they have White Claw cocktails. What does that mean? Well, you mix White Claw and like juice and like other alcohol. Why does that make it bougie? You can mix anything with juice. I gin and juice. I drink gin, which is yeah. But but generally, people that are consuming white claw are of a certain status. Okay, I don't know what that means. All I'm saying is white claw smacks. So sit down, grab you a white claw. You you like the lime flavor, right? Lime is my favorite flavor. I also like the grapefruit one. But sit down, sit your ass down. We're here. This is Jen. This is Darren. And this is that black couple. Before you get started, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at that BLK couple, on Facebook at that black couple, and look us up on the internets at www.thatblackcouple.com. You can stream all of our episodes on Spotify, Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And you have to rate us high because we're the best. Oh my gosh. I feel like your reasons are getting more and more like not critical like i need them to be like more thought through well okay okay this episode is about not rooting for everybody black yes and i think we are the type of black people that you should be rooting for yes and so for that reason we deserve high ratings and listen to the full episode so you can understand why that's important but yes that was a good it's, save it's gonna come back around it's gonna Jesus, circle around lord bless it okay are you ready to get started i'm ready okay so in segment one we're gonna start with first things first and i hmm, I'm gonna have a hard time on this episode. Why? <laughs> I don't like talking about cis heterosexual men. It's all right. I mean, we're gonna be dragging them. I know, but I just I hate wasting the breath. Okay, so on first things first, we'll talk about how we came to the topic, and it'll be a doozy. In the second segment, we'll talk about the conversation. Dan's going to hit us with his facts because he likes facts. But at this time, it'll be facts about things like Kenya Barris, which is always funny because he's a lot. In segment three, the reflection will explain what this whole not rooting for all black people thing means for each of us. So don't leave the shit because I feel like that's going to scare some niggas off. But let's explain it. Yeah, there, there, there's a reason and there, there's a rationale behind yes, everything. a rationale. And we, we're, not, we're not trading in our blackness, you know. That was never a question. But I'm just saying, you know, when, when you say that you're not rooting for people that are black, it's like, oh, no. Oh, what no. The fuck's Who are they rooting you? for? They're rooting for the whites? Hell no. Nah. No, we're rooting for blackness, y'all. We're rooting for blackness. But we but want blackness to win. We just got some, it's, there's nuance. Skin folk and I was kin folk. That part, Zorna Huxton. There we go, history. Are you ready to get started? I'm ready, let's do this. Let go. Okay, here's the 
go with first things first. And honestly, I'm just struggling. I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling. Because I have to talk about Terry Crews and Kanye West in the same episode. And it's just, it feels, it feels like a personal attack. Like it feels, uh, yeah, it feels like a personal attack. You have to hold them accountable. Okay. They're, they're doing some shit in the news. It's affecting a lot of people. Okay. So here's the thing. So as many people know, Kanye West announced that he is running for president um, in a few weeks. Um, because that's when the election is. Um, <laughs> and what struck me about this, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it because I really honestly don't give a shit. But what struck me about this was I went on Twitter uh, the day that it, the day after the announcement came out and I looked at a bunch of black folks' uh, Twitter timelines and all I saw them say was, ignore him. And <laughs> it was a very, it was a meta experience. Right? Wait, you didn't, you didn't give enough context for that. <laughs> what do you mean? It just said ignore him. That's right. all it said. But that's what I'm saying. This, it said the words were ignore, ignore him. him. It wasn't ignore Kanye. No, it was ignore it him because we all knew who him was. All it said was ignore him, and I was just dying laughing because I'm like, we all know who him is. Like we all know who him is. He's that one cousin, right? Like he's that one friend or family member who you like. Yes, you're gonna be Batman. Yes, you're going to be Superman. Yes, you're going to be a rapper. It's going to happen. And like, hmm, it's not, right? It's not. It's not. And Kanye is our cousin. He's 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 our, bless mm. your heart. He bless, bless, bless your heart, boo-boo. Mm-hmm. And we just ignore him. And so I'm really, I, what I will honestly say is that I'm really heartened by the number of people who did not give a shit when he made this stupid fucking announcement. Like, I was like, you know what? We are learning. We are learning as a collective black diaspora. We are learning how to share our lack of fucks to give. Yes. Right? Because having a lack of fucks to give, it emerged around mm, circa 2010. And we started learning that we could have individual lack of fucks. Right. Mm-hmm. We learned that it was an individual thing. Like if we had an individual ATM and we could pop in our fucks card and then it would be like, boop, and it'd be like zero fucks left to give. And be like, oh, I'm all out. But what we haven't talked about is this new collective lack of fucks. We have, we have a new collective lack of fucks to give and I am here for it. It's, I just, like, it's, I, a, it's a community resource. It is. It's a community resource and we're tapped out. Um, so I bring up the Kanye West thing because uh, all I could think to myself is this was why, this is why the fuck I'm not rooting for everybody black. When Issa said that shit, I'm rooting for everybody black. We all was like, yeah, girl. And here's the thing. When Issa said she was rooting for everybody black, that made complete sense because she was at an awards show where black people typically are not nominated. And when they are nominated, They do not win. They typically don't get to even show up and sit in the seats. That's what I'm saying. And so we took that phrase and we were like, yes, girl, that is so true. Because when we watch Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, you know, that's what we're doing. Family feud. Family feud. I always root for the black family. I always root for the black family unless I know them, which has happened and I don't like them. Then I'm like, "Mm, at least one time. But that other team was also of color. So it 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 worked out. It worked out that time. But see, that's that's a great example. It's a great example. You don't you don't have to root, root for, for everybody, everybody black. And there are some contexts where rooting for everybody black is actually detrimental to black people, right? At an award show, you're doing it for representation. You're doing it to see 
black faces reflected in what is seen as recognizable and valuable art, right? In the real world, <laughs> things don't function like that, Mm-mm. right? So let's 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 draw this example further. I'm thinking about our dear friend Terry Crews. Yes. So this is a person who we used to really enjoy because we were introduced to him era white chicks. When we were like, who is this hilarious black man? I hope he's very black. And then we learned he's not. Yeah. He's not. He's not. He He's black-ish, right? We'll talk about that later. <laughs> we'll get to blackish later. <laughs> blackish later. <laughs> and the issue with a Terry Crews is... So I wrote about this last year for Teen Vogue when Terry Crews went on that tirade about how families that do not have um, heteronormative, binary-gendered parents, man, woman, somehow those children are at a, a point of detriment because mm-hmm. without the specific heteronormative binary family, um, those people would be lacking. And he took it so far as to go into uh, medical terms when replying to people on Twitter uh, to imply that for folks who had been adopted by extended family members, who had parents who were same sex, um, all these kind of con- these co- these conditions where you don't have that binary heteronormative family, he insinuated that you are basically underdeveloped as a person. Right. Yes. Lacking severely as a person. That happened last year. And what got me is that a lot of people agreed with him. A lot of cisgender heterosexual black men agreed with him about this. And a lot of queer folks, a lot of black women, a lot of trans folks, a lot of disabled folks, a lot of folks whose families are inherently non-nuclear, non-normative, we're like, hey, <laughs> hey, we exist, right? And what you're saying is white supremacist and patriarchal. And it does not identify our families as valuable. It does not assign worth to us in the same ways. And instead of taking that as criticism that was valid, um, he even like retweeted my article from Teen Vogue, like, man, I guess I lost or whatever. Like some like some like low-key like, yeah. like projection of guilt bullshit, right? And now, here we are this year. I guess it was time we were doing Here we are this year. And he's tweeting out shit like hashtag. Okay, I know that the hashtag is Black Lives Better. That's what he said. But when I think it, I think Black Lives Scatter or Black Lives Chatter. Because I would think that you would at least choose a word that rhymes with matter. (laughs) Black lives ladder, but it, but the ladder, wow. Black, li- um, but it, but it, you know, black lives. You know, we do cook up some batters. <laughs> um, batters and berries. Batters and berries. <laughs> but like, you know, it has two T's, so he tried. Nigga, good night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is that I feel like he he he's now inserting himself in conversations in ways that he does not have the preparation nor the range for, and that draws together the Terry Crews and the the Kanye West issue, right? Is that this is why we are not rooting for everybody Black in all circumstances, right? Because sometimes some of us need to sit our ass down and be the fuck quiet. If you if you stepping into the wrong place, if you are not prepared, if it's not prepared for you, if it's not your lane, I'm not going to root for you to be successful in no. it. No. You, you, you took a, a wrong turn. Right. I'm rooting for you to come back. Nigga, you driving backward on the freeway. 
Yeah, and, and people do that. That's the opposite and we direction all look at of them traffic. Like, what the hell is you doing? That's you are wrong. putting us in danger. I'm not rooting for you to win and keep going down the street. No, I want no. you to turn back around because you have gone hit off a, the track. Hit a Yui. Hit a Yui. <laughs> hit them donuts. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing. Ghost ride that. We whip. we rooting for Kanye. Yeah. And we're rooting for Terry, Cru- Terry Cruz. Yes. Just not, not for here. those things. Correct. Right. And so one thing I will always admire and love about Ava DuVernay who we will also talk about later is one time she tweeted about how her career took off and her life changed when she started to stay in her own fucking lane, right? For her, it was about finding her lane and then just staying in that shit. And I'm a proponent of, I know my range and I stay in it, right? Like Mm -hmm. everybody don't have Whitney range on life. No, no. Some of us, some of us got a Shanti range on life. And that's okay. And that's okay. Because, oh baby. Oh baby. Still in platinum. Stay in that. Still lane. in platinum. Stay right there. Still in platinum. Don't. Still went platinum. Ooh, don't. baby. But don't leave nah, it. Nah, baby. How many babies? Oh, it was all ooh and nah, right? <laughs> I don't know. Well, all the babies, right? <laughs> Still went platinum. Right. Right. Stay in your and Ashanti is glowing now. Ashanti stayed in her lane for a whole career, and she still does concerts, and she still looks like she looked fifteen years ago. Because she stayed. She stayed in, in her, her lane. lane. She stayed in her lane. And what I'm saying is, is that I'm not rooting for everybody black because the moment you start doing some shit you should not do, I am totally fine with holding you fully accountable. And when you start talking about things like running for president of the United States, when you start talking about things like Black Lives Matter, and you do this from a platform where folks are making real political decisions and having real political impact, I am going to absolutely be like, what the fuck is going on? I am not rooting for you. Well... I mean, let's be honest. Like to me, Kanye and Terry Crews have morphed into the black friend for white America. Oh no. Terry Crews hosts, you know, America's Got Talent, and every week he on the stage talking to Simon Cowell and Heidi Klum about people doing flips and, and bending their arms backwards. Oh no. But let's but let's be real. This is America's Got Talent where Gabrielle Union was on there and said, yes. These niggas got a race problem. Let's talk about that. This is the, this that. is the same America's Got Talent where Nick Cannon, yes, Nick Cannon yes. was like, nah, I yes. can't, I can't, yes. I got to give up that check. I got other right. checks. I, but Terry's I like, right. <clears throat> I'll do it. This, well, this, I mean, this is this clues you in. Like, I'm not rooting for you to do well in America's Got Talent. I'm, I'm just not, not rooting for that. I would rather we dismantle it and figure out why the fuck it's so harmful to black people. And that's not, and that's not a dig on the person that is Terry Crews or the person that is Kanye West, right? Right. That's the reason why this is so important, right? To differentiate between, I don't agree with those behaviors and the harm that they may cause. And I hope that you do well. And same to me, same thing with Kanye, Mm -hmm. because let's be honest, Kanye is a musical genius. He is. I don't know what, I I can't speak to Kanye's life and what he's gone through and and how he's changed over the years. But at, at the core one thing that I know that has not changed is this man is just a musical genius. He, is. he just is. He is. And I will always be rooting for him to in that lane. To make music. To make the music. Now, is is he a political genius? I don't see it. I don't I don't see no receipts it of that. It remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. It remains but to be seen. To me, launching a presidential campaign at this stage in the game oh, is no. you know, it's it's mm. giving us some some inclinations as to, Ooh. you know, your propensity for success. That's all I'm saying. The other thing, though, and this is, like I said, I'm going to stay in my lane. Yes. Because to me, the the other thing that we're, we're really talking about here is black entertainers and accountability. Yes. And how we have to hold these people accountable. Mm-hmm. And the big piece of this, and we're going to get into this deeper in the conversation, is if you really think about what's happened, like 
April Rain did the Oscars So White hashtag, mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. came out, and it got all the coverage, and it shook up the industry, and all the people were like, oh, man, we got to put black people in movies, and we got to, you know, we, we got to give them some roles where they're just not the gangster, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So all that stuff happened, right? But realistically, if we're looking at the entertainment landscape now and all the progress that we've made, are there more black faces? Yes. Yes. Are, more, are there more black directors who, who have some actual cachet that people know their names? Yes. Yes. But realistically, how have we changed in the art that we're actually creating, mm. right? And so to me, we had this whole movement of diversity and inclusion, right? Yes. And we need to hold that whole movement accountable. Right. Because we said this is what we want. Did we really get it? Right. So I want to drop a note real quick because I'm a professor and it's what I do. <laughs> but what we're really talking about in this episode is the the difference between descriptive representation and substantive representation. Exactly. We're talking about what it means to root for everybody black because descriptively seeing those faces reflected back at you for you is enough, right? Just seeing their bodies there, but not being concerned about the substance of their presence in that place, right? So the fact that we can have, as you said, more directors, more black faces, but no real, no significant material change in the type of art that is produced and no real i would say doors broken down in terms of opportunity structures for black folks to get into an industry that we know is inherently anti-black right so what does it mean to push for substantive representation for people who have a framework of loving all black people and breaking down white supremacy and dismantling systems that make it so that we don't get to thrive and have those folks also represent us in these positions and institutions, right? That's that's what we want. That's what we want. This podcast is supported by generous donations from listeners and readers of our mom and dad's web magazine, watercoolercombos.com. You can stream the show on Spotify, Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. When you listen, please consider hitting that heart button, sharing, giving us a five-star rating, and leaving some dope comments. This helps us with our page rankings and gets more listeners for the show. Thank you so much. All right, we back. We back. Ooh, why you, why your throat sound so scratchy? Cause I'm bumming all this blood. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know the stress is high when you gotta talk about all the all these hetero cis men. Jesus. I know it's hard. You gotta you gotta you know cut the edge off a little bit. Jesus, let me hit it again. But let, so I'll I'll get things going. I'll lead off, and then once you come down, I'll bring you in. Hey, let me share with the listeners. Here, y'all. There we go. There you go. Yeah, we should. That's what we should have said. We should breathe in grab, deep. Is that Cali weed? We, we shouldn't have said grab a white claw. We should have said grab your blunt. Grab that blunt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yes, the conversation. So like like we just said, we're talking about accountability. Yep. And we're also talking about representation. Yep. And. I just really want to get into a discussion about black entertainment and its current status, Mm -hmm. because right now, if you really look at the general landscape of entertainment and all the blackness that has really, you know, really blossomed, there's been a lot of blackness showing up all over the place. Mm -hmm. But realistically, if you look, if you look at the content, like you said, if we're looking at the content, we're really centering and promoting a lot of shows that make light of the black experience. Yes. And I want one. Oof. This is gonna be hard. This is gonna be a really um, hard episode. You so, want to hit this? <laughs> I might. 
<laughs> Let me see if I can get through. <laughs> so the first, I'm, I'm gonna talk about a couple big names, mm-hmm. and like we said before, just just to uh, to couch this conversation correctly, mm-hmm. I'm not here to tear nobody down. I'm not, I'm not here to you know tell these people that they shouldn't be doing their job or, or they need to just go away and live in a hole somewhere. But we're gonna be talking about some big names. Yeah, I so, don't believe in can- to say this. I don't believe in canceling black people. Yeah, I don't want to cancel them. No, I don't cancel. Black I just people. want them to do better. I I inherently believe that black people can be better. Now, here's the thing: the closer you are to whiteness, cisgenderness, heterosexuality, high classed, whatever you know, wealthiness, whatever, the the less that holds true, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't really cancel black people. So no, this episode is not about here's all the black people we should cancel. When you hold folks accountable, it's about love. You love people, and you hold them accountable about accountable because you believe they can be better. Mm-hmm. If I didn't, if we didn't say shit, that that would mean we didn't give a fuck about them. We had no expectation, right? But we have an expectation for folks to be better, so we respect them and we regard them in a way that says, you know what, we 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 desire you to be a better version of yourself. And, and you know, this first example is a great example of that. It is, and the first example is Kenya Barris. Now let's just be honest. This man has has grown a considerable empire. Yes, he has, he has coined creating shows with, with ish on the end. <laughs> I mean, you say it, you know he made it, and you know what it's about. It's, At this it's point, brilliant. people say fake shows, and I think it's a real show. Yeah, is like is mixed ish really a show? Mixed ish is a show. Okay, that's an actual show. That's one of his shows. Okay, it comes. I don't know what what day blackish and all the shows come on, but it's blackish, and then right after that, mixed ish comes on. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was a made-up show. I'm not going to go into the details of what all these shows are about. <laughs> I don't think that's a good use of anybody's time. And you probably already know what these shows are about. But the one I want to center in most, most, is Blackish. Mm-hmm. And I want to center in on that because when that show came out, it was really in that moment of, let's bring some more diversity to the table. Right. Let's give people a platform. Let's have some shows that are not all about white people and the shit white people go through. Right. And... I was an avid watcher of Blackish when it yeah, came out. Yeah, we were into that shit. I was very impressed with it. I, I was I was cautious because it was about an upper class black family in Southern California. Didn't and you start like, it before me? You started watching it because I was like, "Fuck that shit." Exactly. You were like, "Why the fuck would I watch that?" Yeah, I was like, "I don't want to watch that shit." And I watched it, and I and I convinced you. I said, "You know, it's it's actually really good. They're yeah. tackling some real topics. They're talking about real shit. They're they're you know, Kenya did a good job on this one. Yeah, and we got to give him credit for it. Yeah." The pro- the problem I had have with that show mm-hmm. is that it really really like I said makes light of the black experience in a way that it's like it's like it's like the name suggests it's blackish like it's black light so mm-hmm. it's it's like an entry level course for people who you know don't have a black friend <laughs> or you know they live in a community with no black people and they want to know hey well what's this black thing about <laughs> they can watch that and not be scared and not feel like you know oh my god they're just you know saying that white people are all bad and i should feel bad about myself and I, they can now understand what juneteenth is you know yeah you know they they it's it's like it's like a black blackness, history course blackness 101 yeah blackness 101 yes. and, which is great but the problem is is that it's not really moving the needle it's not touching the needle. And it's not really something that's created for black people. No. Right. And the whole point of the diversity and inclusion movement mm-hmm. was to say, we should be creating entertainment for all people. Yes. Historically, the yes. entertainment industry has been all about creating things for white people. Yes. And then maybe other people will like it too. Right. The whole point was, hey, 
we should let black people make black art so that black people can see themselves reflected back on TV yes. in a way that is affirming and that, you know, speaks to their own life experiences. Yes. And something like blackish. <laughs> I mean, I come from a from a, you know, upper middle class black family. Mm-hmm. And even for me, I'm just kind of like, wow, this is <laughs> I had to stop watching the show because well, I yeah. was like, I'm not getting anything from this. I remember we stopped watching the show after that weird musical about slavery or something. Yes. And I was like, OK, I don't know what's happening anymore. And this is definitely not for me. And over time, whereas, so I do think that like many shows, Blackish started off a lot more radical. I won't say radical, but <laughs> in what it thinks was radical. Yeah for the industry than it than where it is today. And I and I think the reasoning behind that was they, you know, ABC gave them the green light. Like, right. This is a black show. Make what you want. Right. And so they came out the gate like, yeah, we're going to talk about all right. this stuff. But then as happens with all shows. Yes. At the end of the day, what really matters is the business. And, and how the, the white people feel. Well, not, not, not just how the white people feel, mm-hmm. but. It's the numbers, right? Yeah. It's all about, is this show profitable? Am I getting the ad dollars I need? That's, right? I mean, that's what I mean when I say how do white people feel. Well, right. <laughs> and that's, but that's the thing, right? Because that loops right into, are black people, are, are white people watching? Right. Can I get, the, can I get the people that are going to advertise on here? Right. That are going to feel like they're getting their money's Do worth? white actors feel like they at least have some access to the show? Like, I remember there, there started being more and more white people on the show. Mm-hmm. Like, all of a sudden, what's his name, Andre, was spending more time at work than he was with his family. And yep. I was like, why do we have to keep seeing these? This show's and, called Blackish. And they had, like, white neighbors all the time. All his white neighbors. Annoying white neighbors. Uh, Nicole Sullivan from Mad TV right. with her neighbor all right. of a sudden. I'm right. like, what? And I'm like, y'all don't have no black friends? Y'all don't have no black friends? Like, this show is called Blackish and y'all don't have no black friends? This is weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is fucking weird to me. This is fucking weird to me. Every black friend you got, you had to hire and now they're your nanny? Ooh. Okay, wait, hold on. Let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going to leave Kenya, though. Because, you know, the other thing that's recent is his new Netflix show, oh, which God. is called Oh God Black A. Oh my God! You know he he left the the ish behind. And I'm went, going the to die. I'm going to die. And the show's going to kill me, and I'm going to die. I mean, and full disclosure, I have not seen one episode. I of the will show. never watch this show. I won't watch this show on accident. I can guarantee you. <laughs> you know when you scroll on Netflix and it starts doing the <laughs> auto play, you're like, shit, no, <laughs> that, that won't even happen to me. <laughs> I won't even accidentally see this shit. Like, I'm sorry, I cannot. I cannot believe I exist in a universe, a universe, a, a, this is a universe. It's not an alternate version of the one I grew up in where Rashida Jones is playing the, the wife on a show called hashtag black as fuck. Listen, you better tell it. I just feel, I just feel, I just feel like this was written by someone like actually writing us. Like, I just think that now I'm realizing that we actually are in the motherfucking matrix. And this is like, somebody was like, you know what would be funny, nigga? What, what, what? The mom. <laughs> go with me, go with me, go with me, go with me. The mom on Black as Fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. We should cast. Who are you going to write in, nigga? Come on, come on. Rashida Jones. Who? <laughs> Quincy Jones' white daughter. Oh my God, that's like that's what the fuck happened. Like the people, you know, at the end, at the end, a Men in Black, the original, when the fucking aliens flick us in the fucking marble, and you realize yes. we just a speck in the universe. 
Them niggas wrote that shit. Them niggas said Rashida Jones. They fucking planted that shit in Kenya Barris's brain at some weird point. They did magic, and now we are watching a fucking show <laughs> where Kenya Barris and Rashida Jones are a couple on something called Black as Fuck. And, and listen, just to reiterate, we're not here to cancel nobody. We're not I, here to cancel. I don't want to cancel her. We're not here to cancel Rashida because let's be honest. I like Rashida I actually Jones. I enjoy Rashida Jones. I think she's a great person. I, I love when she's playing herself. Listen, I watched that Quincy Jones uh, documentary. Yes. Which I know you would not watch because you're like, why would I watch that? But <laughs> it was amazing. And I got to see her as a daughter. And I got to see this, the shit that she did and how right. she did for her family. And I've, heard, I've heard amazing she's things. Great. And I've read. So the things that have been written about her, I've always enjoyed. And whenever she's written in the op-eds, I've read all of them. I always enjoyed her. And I enjoy her in when she's, like I said, playing herself she is someone who typically plays typically ethnically nondescript i'm not gonna lie or presumed white and i'm gonna say presumed white because they don't typically overtly say what her race is when she's in a a film she typically plays alongside white people Mm -hmm. very often almost always and she plays the character who is like the we don't know what race she is but she's the blackest friend they got And that's what I always enjoyed about her because to me it was self-reflective and it was her actually saying, you know what? I know I'm not black as fuck. That's what I always read her as saying in everything I've ever seen her in and that she has written herself. I know I'm not black as fuck. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'm not representative of most people's black experience. And I'm aware of that. And so I move in a particular way. And that works. So this to me stands in direct contradiction to all of that and that's why i'm like what the fuck is happening i don't even know i don't know is that part of the joke i don't get it well well the show is supposed to be reflective of kenya barris's life but it's black as fuck like a satire i don't get it it's it's, black as fuck (laughs) is basically black ish on steroids black ish was created by kenya barris to say so wait okay okay let's get matthew with this yes is this an inverse function? So you're saying that the so as he makes shows, so as he makes shows, the more that the the gradient of the title sounds black, the less black the show gets. Mm-hmm. So is the blackest show mixedish? Oh, see, that's a that's a good question. That's a good question. No, no, mm. it probably is. Cause I feel like Rainbow the blackest nigga on the fucking show. How? Did, how? Besides Jennifer Lewis character, obviously. Yeah, I mean, obviously. 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 We're not talking about her. <laughs> All she, the person she only plays in life is Jennifer Lewis. She don't play nobody she else. She is Jennifer Lewis. She plays herself. She is the blackest person in the world. <laughs> this bitch did a fucking roundhouse kick on a red carpet. <laughs> I love her. About a hair shot. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. She is my auntie. She's your auntie. She's everybody's auntie. She's everybody's auntie forever. Her and Loretta Devine. Yes. We keep them forever. Forever. Anyway, my point being, my point being that I'm, I just don't understand the joke. And then, so what I'm realizing is that I think Kenya Barris is making a joke out of us. That's all I can come up with. I just feel like I'm the joke. No, no. I feel like actual black people who look like me, who grew up actual black and stayed black the whole time and then only played black people in their, in their dreams and in real life. I feel like we're the joke. No, you're missing it. You're missing it. I don't get it. You're missing it. Okay, help you're, me. The, this is the through line for all of Kenya Barris' shows. 
that he I'm wishes not, he was blacker? I'm, no, let me. Hold no. on, wait. I want to guess them. Can I guess them? No, let give me, me. Give me three guesses. Me, wait, wait, give me three guesses, please. Okay, okay, okay. Let's see if you get it. Let's see if you get it. The through line through all his shows. Okay, okay. First guess. The black experience is complex and uh, not everybody is dark skinned and poor and from the ghetto. That's close. Oh shit, that's not it? Okay. That's, that's not exactly Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, let me do this. I'm trying to be light skinned. Hold on. <clears throat> that's a good way to think. Whew, okay. Um, oh, oh, why not? My black experience as a light skinned person has not been been reflected accurately in the the history and the annals of blackness, and I need to stand up for the light skins. I'm I'm gonna give it to you on that. Oh, one. I'm gonna give it you. to you on that one. That's that's close enough. That's Ooh, close enough. Okay, thank you. The, the here's the through line. Yes. All of Kenya Barris's shows are from his perspective, mm-hmm. and he is you know a a wealthy black man who lives in wealthy spaces that are predominantly white. Yes. And he's the black face in the room. So yes. this is this is the story of like the black friend. It's like say if instead of it being about the white people and, and there's a one black guy that's tagging along, let's make the story about the black person <laughs> where there's white people all around. Yes. And so that's that's the through line of all his shows is is He's the blackest person in the room because he's generally the only black oh, person. Oh, I get it. Oh my God, you helped me so much just now. So, so when he says black as fuck, he's he saying means I'm black that. as fuck. When you say he, I'm it. when he's, oh my God, it's like if you have one sprig of pepper in a whole bowl of salt, that looks yeah. like a lot of pepper, but it's just one. It's just one. So what you're saying is he's black as fuck because there's no other blackness right. in the room with which to reflect right. his non-blackness. Right. Which, to be honest, is why Rashida Jones fits You are on the so show. smart. I am so glad I married you. <laughs> oh, my God. I have been watching these shows for so long. It hit, it hit me at one point when I, I think oh I read something God. about how he's, how, uh, it was when I read about Black as Fuck and where he was saying this is, he was, but he cast himself in the show because he's basically playing himself. I would never, I have no, I don't speak light-skinnedness. But here, but here's the thing. Here's I'm the not thing. from light-skinnedosia. But here, here's the thing. I didn't come from the aisle of the light-skins, you know? I've light never, I've never. Or touch the shores of light skin city. You know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? But here's here's the thing though. Here's the thing. Yes. They always say write what you know. And so to a certain extent, you can't knock Kenya Bear for mm. writing about let let me finish. You can't knock him for writing about his experience. I feel like he was a little on the nose. Here's my issue is he did blackish and he did um grownish and he Oh did, yeah, that one too. Um, Mixed dish, right? Are there he any other issues? Stuff. Are those the issues? No, those are all the issues. There's three issues. And then and then he got that Netflix upgrade. And what he did is instead of expanding out, he, he just went said, inward. Right. Because <laughs> he's a and boy. Because he's a sad nigga. Let's harder this time. <laughs> let's go harder. And he, he could have made a different choice. And I'll say that's the other thing. Like, because oh, I don't want to, I don't want to dig on kids too so much. Smart. I don't want to dig too you're much. You're so smart. And I love but the you. other thing, like. Because around the same time, right, we had Shondaland. Remember Shondaland? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Shonda Rhimes was creating all these shows. And she got that same, you know, Netflix, hey, we want you to come make some, these shows thing. And yeah. Same thing. And it was like, okay, here we go. Yeah. But I have the same issue with Shondaland, right? Yeah. Is, is we got all these moments. Like, we had Olivia Pope in the white Ooh. suit running shit, right? Mm. But, but you know, if you looked around here, it's mainly, mainly remember, white people. Remember when Viola had them boogers? 
Yeah, but I had them boogers, and she, t- she took her she peeled wig the, off. She peeled off them eyelashes. And we were like, whoo, We said, oh, she black on TV. Which was a moment. We said, we ain't seen this since silly. But then you look at the grand scope of everything, and it's like, you have to re- you have to remember where these people are located, right? Yeah. Olivia Pope was working for the president <laughs> of the United States. And fucking so many white men. Right? <laughs> So many white guys. Viola Davis was a law professor yeah. at an elite university. Married then, to a white man. Married to a white man who then went on to work for a prestigious law firm. And who like, only ever worked, essentially, for, for white people right. who, who did horrible, horrible things. And and same thing with Shondaland, right? She did she did those two shows. She did private practice. Yeah. She did, uh, what's the other show? Which actually is white people. Oh, Grey's, Grey's Anatomy. Anatomy. Right. So she did all these shows. But the problem is, these are still people in... Very wealthy professions with wealthy, you know, oh, very well access to, to things, oh, right? Yeah. And once again, my my core issue is this is not reflective of the large body right. of blackness, right? You have all these things, right? And that's why, that's why, right? I was so excited. I was beyond excited. Wait, can I insert something really quick before you, you transition? Before I move on, you can go. Okay, 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 okay. I see your eyebrows. I see your eyebrows. You're pursed. Okay. I'm there. I'm before we slide into that. I want to, I don't want to divorce this conversation from history mm-hmm. because I feel like you and I grew up in the, the like New York undercover mm-hmm. era where blackness was very upfront. Yes. Upfront and like not instructed to white people. It was very like, we're just going to make our own shit. And we, we literally will do all the same shit the white shows have, but we're black. And we just do it in the black we're just, way. We're just going to sit over here and right. eat our salad. Thea, Rock, you know what I'm saying? For real. Moesha. Like, Moesha, you know what I'm saying? These, sister, sister, shit. These shits were reflective. Right, right, right. How do we go backwards? Right, we went backward. And that's, and that's something I feel like we should talk about. Because I feel like, in a lot of respects, it reflects the same kind of political era of... Well, we already did a whole bunch of black shit, and now we need to reflect this other shit, right? Like, oh, we already saw, like, we, we, we saw The Wire. We don't need any more poor black people on TV. Oh, yeah. God. We've got that covered. If we want to see The Wire, we've got The Wire. So do something new. And how about some blackish people? We got some black people. Give us some blackish ones. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel, I feel yeah. like that's the problem is that with, you know, entertainment and art that's depicting um, the black experiences that we have, the vast black experiences that we have, they often do so from a place of scarcity, as if everyone has to be the first time and the only time of whatever they're doing. Right. And if they're not the first time and the only time, then it's not worth doing. And that, I think, is the context, how we get to where we are today. Because then it's like everything has to innovate on the last blackness we saw, because white people... Mm-hmm. Are deciding what type of blackness needs to be up front because if because if it's not new and exciting then why are we then doing why it? are we doing it I'm, I'm bored exactly is this really black people i don't know because i saw the wire right exactly <laughs> i saw that already i saw the wire so i already saw the poor black people what, what, what about the doctors <laughs> i'm gonna do the transition i'm gonna do the transition. do the transition go ahead baby that's honestly this is all leading into why i was so excited when oprah got her own network yeah i mean it's her network as a part of Discovery, so you know. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. She still she's, it, do, it does what it needs to do. She still got to report to white people. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but she got her own network, and I'm like, oh shit, she gonna have it's it's like it's like we got to do do over BET. <laughs> you know, it's, that's basically what my head was like. Oh, Oprah gonna come in here, and she gonna you know she gonna put us black shows and bows. Now we got a bunch of Tyler Perry shows on there. Ooh. But I I was Ooh. but then. Mm-hmm. 
Queen Sugar was coming, and I was like, mm. oh shit, nigga. like this. Yeah. This about to be amazing. We got all these like rich melanin skin black folk, well lit, long, just glistening in the, in the in well the, shot. Huh. You know, and the, and the got them all them cinematic shots, looking like paintings over, over the farms, looking the, like moving acrylic in the know? oil Ooh, on canvas. I was like, oh man, and, and look, it's not all well-to-do black folk no. on a TV show, and, and it's not even all poor black people. No, look, they're representing multiple forms and, of blackness and they, on one show. They, they discovered on Queen Sugar that in a black family, you can have some folks who are mixed and some folks who are not mixed, and you can have some folks who are certain shades and other shades all in the same family. Same family. Wow, I mean, who would have thunk I mean, it? Think about just the crux of that. The 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 dad you know had kids with multiple yes women yes and they had to be a family but there was conflict around yes I'm like I'm like this, this that's is some so, real family shit it was so reflective of real that's shit real that black shit people do and that happens in well to do families and it happens in it happens in all families it happens in, in, in to be fair it happens in non black families it happens right? in every it family it was like they found the sweet spot yes like this is what a this real is where story. we should live yes. Yes, a story unencumbered by the the people in the writing room who were like, "Exactly, how are the white people gonna take this one?" But then, know. but then, yeah, it's you know slowly over time, you know, yeah, <laughs> just I feel like it's still like you know leaned yeah. into the whiteness part, or or it leaned into the you know like yeah the lighter stories that yeah. you know don't center you know the real black experience i think we're i think when queen sugar started to lose me was how they were handling what what was um i can't remember the names i know you're talking about though the baby mama's name i always forget her name um she had an old woman name it's it's the one the girl who who will play a teenager bianca until her name 80. in real life is bianca yeah bianca and she don't Lawson. age she doesn't age she does not age she yeah. looks just like she did when she was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer yes. like 30 years ago, whatever yes. it was. Yes. She looks the same age. Well, okay, so Angel, what's his name? Blue Angel? What is his name? Ralph Angel. Ralph Angel. And the baby's name was Blue. Blue, yeah. I clearly ain't watched it in a while. That's been a minute. But Ralph Angel and how the whole storyline unfolded around the paternity of the baby and then what was going on in her life and her her addiction to drugs and like what she was experiencing and all that stuff. And I... I felt like they tried really hard to handle that whole thing well, and I felt like they just didn't. And the longer I watched, the more I felt like, wow, this feels very heteronormative on the show. I just still yeah. felt so much patriarchy. And even though, and I love Ava, I feel like a lot of times when she talks about how she makes television and how she makes her, her projects, she focuses on having women of color, black women in the space. And that to me is another example of what we're talking about, where just because folks are of a, a phenotype or a, a identity marker does not mean that they engage yeah. with those ideas and with those ideas about justice and the ways we should be nuanced in our love of black people. That is, those are not mutually inclusive. And so I, I remember thinking, wow, I wish they had more people on the team who actually understood yeah. mental health and like, survival sex and things like that right like for a lot of folks who end up homeless and or who end up addicted to drugs and other uh issues like that like this is well, something we gotta talk about better but here, here, here's the other thing right like i said earlier in this segment you write what you know yeah and so to some degree you want to like you said you want to make sure you have people in the room who can write to the experiences of the characters on the show the other thing is though i'm a writer yeah and just because 
I'm writing about the things that I know doesn't mean that I can't write about things that I haven't experienced. Right. If you don't have the range, if you don't know, it's okay for you to go find someone that doesn't ask Exactly. Them. It's okay to do research to figure out how exactly. these things work. Exactly. Like all those things that you just listed, they could have asked, they could have sent a tweet out and said, hey. We're looking for <laughs> activists, organizers, folks who have studied this, done research. And people would have stood in line with their hands raised. Right. To give them all the information. And I always wonder about that. This is something I've always wondered when I watch these shows about if they have someone on staff, on the team who is like, an expert on this stuff who can say yeah that that's actually not how that typically works typically when we address these issues we do a b and c and so when you write it for it to be authentic it should reflect you know our protocols like i wonder if they do things like that and i feel like that's something they should do and i think about it all the time as someone who like my work sits at so many intersections um what i do sits at so many intersections in terms of the ways people call upon me to help them with things about race or gender or sexuality. Today, I'm damn near giving a teach-in on fucking Twitter about polyamory, right? And it's yeah. like, I'd be wondering when people reflect this stuff on TV. Like, when they have, the thing about that Netflix series, when Spike Lee remade it. Um, oh, um, she's got to have she it. She's got to have it. <laughs> um, it's just really, as a poly person. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Mm. As a polyamorous person, I really hate that fucking show. But, like, thinking about how they wrote her polyamory, I was like, do they have somebody on the team that could help them to... to Most likely not. And that's what I'm thinking. Like, I feel like, why don't they... Think, think about it this way. They, they do that type of stuff on shows when it's, like, a specific subject. Like, I would bet when Kenya Barris did that Juneteenth episode on Blackish, he probably consulted a, a historian, professor or right? something. Yeah. So that he would get the facts and stuff right. Yeah. They need to have that same type of thinking right. Right. when they do these other things. Right. You think about all these corporations when they're like, ooh, we have a diversity problem. What's the first thing they do? They hire a diversity person. That's true. Who can tell them. This is what you should be doing. And they almost always talk to someone who has like done research in the fucking field. Right. If you don't know, ask the expert. It's okay for you to not know. Yeah. What's not okay is for you to not know and then just say, I'm going to wing it anyway. That's not okay. I agree. Can't do that. I agree. I agree. You better get some shit down today. I'm Listen, I'm in my bag. You are in your bag. Well, hold on. Can I talk about some things I liked? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So We don't have to be all negative. Yeah, let's talk about... Okay, so (laughs) I want to talk about a few things because I do think that a lot of what we're talking about, the undercurrent here is the issue of the white gaze. And that's G-A-Z-E. Sometimes people think it's G-A-Y-S. And I I, know. So it's the white gaze, right? Part Part of what we're talking about is the fact that for a lot of black folks who make art, who entertain, they have to do so with the understanding that there are white folks making judgments and estimations about whether or not their art and entertainment is valuable, is valid. And unfortunately, that is steeped in all sorts of racial bias and institutional and structural systemic problems and priming, right, that they have no control over. And so I don't want to, I always tell my students this, I don't want to shit on anybody for how they cope or navigate that system, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't ever want to shit on anybody who is vulnerable, oppressed, marginalized, minoritized for how they survive a white supremacist, anti-black, oppressive, you know, system, right? Like, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that the ways we comport ourselves are critically important in terms of how we are held accountable to those we answer to, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot about insecure because we, who, I keep thinking back, (laughs) it was so long ago. What was that, like 10 years ago? 
Maybe. I can't remember exactly how long. When fucking Awkward Black Girl came out and we were sitting there like trying to figure out how to get YouTube attached to our TV because this is... These are old. Those are like pre-HDMI. These are old. Yeah, these are old laptops. These are not. (laughs) These are flat screens, yes. But they cost a lot more than they do today. (laughs) You didn't have any ports. You didn't have any ports. You had to do red, white, and yellow. That was it. (laughs) You didn't know which one made the audio. You know, it was stressful. You do that on a computer. Right. It was really stressful, right? Um, But we were sitting there dying laughing at fucking Issa Rae. And on Awkward Black Girl, on this YouTube channel. And, like, we watched that shit religiously. We would go back and re-watch episodes. I mean, we we would sit in the house and, like, say shit back with her. And then go and have our friends watch it with us. And we would, like, I love that fucking show. Right? Like, yeah, it was so awkward and so accurate. Right? And it was so black. It was so hood. And because you and I met in L.A., right? We met at USC. And we saw so much of L.A. reflected in that show in very authentic ways, like in the lighting and the ways like the cars yeah. looked. And Yeah, it wasn't up front. It wasn't in your face. No, it was but subtle. It was, it was so, it felt so real. It felt so real, right? And like that to me was really spectacular art. And I remember thinking that I was so happy when her channel grew and when fans were supporting her and she was like blowing up, right? And then when Insecure came out, I was like, oh, shit. Right. Like everybody was scared that it going to HBO was going to water it down. And I feel like that first season, it was like, oh, we good. Like, we're good. Like, this is still Issa. Like, we still have Issa. And then I feel like in the in, in recently, you know, the show has changed a lot. Right. The yeah. show has changed a lot. The characters have changed a lot. Issa out here where I remember this this last season I was watching. I was like, Issa. All your jackets got squares and rectangles cut out of them? Like what? Out, out of the shoulders. Out the shoulders, girl. Not the bottom, out the shoulders. And out the chest area by the clavicles. Girl, <laughs> your clavicles is not chilly. You know what I'm saying? And like, here's the thing. I'm like, bitch, Issa got money now. But she, how? Shabby chic, I don't know, a thrifting. Well, and, and they tried to note that like, oh, she don't have all that much money. But it's like. But her wardrobe don't reflect right. that. Right, Tiffany was dragging and, her about how terrible she is with her money. So I'm like, mm. I mean, and, and listen, you know, at this point, Issa's only job is apartment manager. Right. That's right. her only job. But right. She, she's really out here. Right, and hood a bit coordinator. So here's the thing, right. like, here's the thing, and this is this is the thing. I love that show. Like, I love that show, and I really do admire Issa Rae. Like, I admire the fuck out of her. I think she's fucking dope, and I'm just grateful to watch her grow. Right. But what I actually really loved about this last season of fucking Insecure, right, is that they wrote the black experience in such beautiful and subtle ways. Mm -hmm. And they wrote it in such a way where they were no longer, in my opinion, they were no longer to me writing to white people. This season did not feel written to white people. And that was the thing about Awkward Black Girl that I think we all loved so much. Yeah. Is that Issa was walking around LA having this experience, having this this coming of age experience, and it was weird as fuck. And there were sometimes white people around, but Issa, the character on the on the show, never translated herself for anybody else. Right. And Issa Rae, when she presented herself, I remember watching her her like her little rap series she used to have on YouTube. She didn't translate herself for us either. She was like, this is how I am all the time. <laughs> like, this is who the fuck, I'm always like this. 
And so when we got to Insecure and that first season was like, she's still here. She veered off a little bit in the middle, right? We started seeing these really like Molly, super wealthy. Like I, I don't fucking like Molly, but whatever. But then we have this Amanda Seals character, Tiffany, whatever. Anyway, and so then you know we have these characters who are very, very, very well to do, and they represent a part of this narrative that we've never seen Issa ever associate herself with, right? Yeah. In any respect, um, and so she's moving with these like bougie socialite type people. And it doesn't reflect, in a lot of respects, it doesn't reflect the fullness of the black experience that Issa Rae has typically given us, right? It didn't hit those same notes because it was really very, to me, very upper class focused, right? Well, even, even the part with like TSA Bay, like even this whole like trying I'm getting, to... I'm, I'm, I'm getting Go ahead. I'll let you do it. Okay. So, so here's the thing. So this is a complicated appreciation for this last season. But like, I think this last season was great because they got back into the complexity of the relationships, which is what Insecure should be about and which is what Awkward Mm -hmm. Black Girl was always about, right? Right. Awkward Black Girl, we didn't spend a lot of time looking at the decor and the clothing. That was not the focus of the show. The focus was the interactions and the relationships and the awkwardness and the internal narrative of Issa. This season got back to that, which is why I think the show was better this season. So, what they continue to struggle with, right, is they struggle with things like fatness. Right, they continue to to situate fatness on the show as hypersexualized. Like the people on the show who are fat, who have fatter bodies, or who are supposed to on this show be fat. And I say that meaning that you know typically in Hollywood, their conception of fat is really not right. Like Charlie, right? Yeah. So like their conception of fatness on the show is hypersexualized. Um, they're usually like the kind of comedy character, the comic relief character, right? Mm-hmm. Not taken seriously, even when they do very serious things and say and feel very serious ways, right? Um, they still have an issue with mental health. The whole season with uh, the postpartum narrative that they were building, the whole time as someone who has had three children and who has had issues with postpartum depression and who's experienced these things viscerally, I remember sitting there and going, oh, I wish they had somebody to help them with this, right? Yeah. Like, I remember going, wow, this is completely, hmm, this is hard to watch, right? Because it still reflected this very high classed like, oh, I just go to the Sheridan. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm having a mental breakdown, I just check into this bourgeois hotel and I go to the spa. I go to the spa, I get a facial, and I'm like, okay. Um... <laughs> I'm not, no shade, no shade, no shade. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I just wish there was more depth to that. Yeah, if you if you're gonna go and have a whole narrative around a serious issue, go there and really engage with it. Engage with it. Just really be, because these are not things that people are gonna see very often ever. Right. On TV in a movie, these are things that people might not experience in their own lives. Right. And so if you're going to show that have people be able to walk away from it and have a real understanding to go, oh, wow, I get that life experience. Right. So when they do come across someone in real life who might be dealing with that, they're not like, oh, why don't you just go to the Sheridan and take a shower? (laughs) Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. I mean, that's that's real talk, though. I I mean, mean, yeah. I mean, and I also think that this show, in a lot of respects, makes light of mental health, right? We also see that the, the male character who was interested in Issa in when he had an issue mental yeah, health wise, yeah. he literally just fucking disappeared off the show. He literally disappeared off the show. He was gone. Mm-hmm. And and we built an animosity toward him, 
they basically helped us to dislike him by talking shit about him while he was gone. And while that is actually a very accurate representation of what happens and how it feels, I also feel like the show hasn't been reflective of the fact that that's what happens and that's how it feels. Yeah. Like, I feel like they did a great job this season. Oh, my gosh. When she, when Issa said to him, you know, you disappeared. And he looked at her and said, wow, I was having a, like a mental breakdown. And that scene, oh, my God, I almost cried. I was like, oh, my God. And I, I was so grateful that someone wrote that because yeah. I was like, finally, they acknowledge that this this man was going through something really hard and he could not articulate it to these these folks at this time and and nobody thought maybe something's actually wrong here that he needs help maybe we're not maybe we're not setting him up for success maybe we're not looking out for him right maybe we're contributing to part of the some the part of the issues that he's having right and that was something i was like finally they took care of it cuz it took to the end of the season for them to even acknowledge that but I think that's part of the issue. I mean, and obviously we can't speak to next season, but to me it was weird that they had these whole these long arcs that were going through the whole season, mm-hmm. but they were really happening in the background of the show. Yeah. So they got almost no service. Mm-hmm. And then in the last episode, it's like, oh, he had a mental issue. He, mm-hmm. That's why he left. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, she was having a postpartum depression. That, mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. why she was looking progressively mm-hmm. messed up over mm-hmm. the course of the season. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's great that those things are represented and in, in somewhat it's great that they're represented in that way. Mm-hmm. But then the problem is you miss the exploration of right. those things at the same right. time. Right, right, right. So, you know, it's like, oh, it's basically telling you, oh, if someone disappears, they might have a mental crisis. Yeah, but, but, but they might also you, not. Yeah, they might also <laughs> not. But it, it doesn't tell you, like, how you would notice or... Right. Or what they might be going through, or what right. they might feel like, or you know what things they might be facing. Right, like, like we miss that piece. I would have even liked at the end of the episode for Issa to pop up and say, "If you have you know any health issues with mental health and you need support, here's a number you can call." Like blah 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 blah. Yeah, and do some work to destigmatize. I would have loved for something like that to come up on the end of the episode. You know, just something. And I think that that's something that I I have concerns about. I think that that's something that I'm I'm missing on that show, that even though they are bringing a lot of things that I really enjoy back, that's something I still feel is missing. And the last thing, it's really odd to me that they live in Los Angeles in this moment and have basically an apolitical outlook on the world. Yeah, it's it's really it's really weird. Not not even that they live in L.A., but Issa basically, you know, she basically is always in Lamert. <laughs> like, can you like, tell the listeners why that matters? <laughs> I mean, how do I even say this? But like, like Lamert is like Lamert Park is like that's that's the black. That's part. the blackest. That's the black. That's black like, <laughs> and it's I mean, and it's good. She should be in there, yeah. right? But but it's weird that she's there, and it's like, oh, look at that, all this black art. But it's like. There's so much stuff that goes down in right Lamert. and around it. Like we know people that that like still live there, and yeah. like even if you just watch their Facebook feeds, yeah, you know, like like there are caravans of white people yes. going around on buses trying to figure out how they're going to gentrify the area and yes. which homes they're going to buy next. Yes, you know, and so it's weird where, where then you see you know Issa hanging out with Molly, and she's like, "Let's have a street fair." <laughs> it's like that's good. That's but great. It's like, but it's like you do, yes. you're just going to skip. 
Yes. It, I mean, they bring up gentrification all the time, and it's really interesting to me that they don't engage with it. Like, I, yeah. I think that's the thing that I struggle with on the show is it, that it's something that would be affected. I would love for them to engage with something, right? Yeah. Like, it's like they, they it, so, so they did this with Molly in the episode where she has the confrontation about, you know, the, the towel and her race, and she has the falling out with the Asian boyfriend's brother and things like that. And I was like, okay, okay, this is a, this is this is cool. But I gotta be honest. I was like, Molly though, Molly though, Molly though. I mean, like you said, like, it's, it's good that they that they showed right. that it's not always white versus black. Right. That, that people of other races can be anti-black. Right. Or they can be era- they can try to erase you know real racism that occurs in, right. in life. Right. That they can bend towards whiteness. That's yes. a real thing. But here's what I was saying. The reason why I said Molly, right? The reason why I said Molly yeah. was I felt like they, it was a choice. I felt like they picked Molly to say, look, it even happens to the highly successful lawyer person who right. looks like this and who passes as wealthy. Like, I just really felt like it was a respectability narrative. Yeah. And that's what I struggled with because I was like, oh, you had an opportunity here. You had an opportunity to say it doesn't matter if someone is respectable or not. They don't deserve to be treated this way. You had an opportunity to say, all blackness is important. And that's where I'm sometimes like, okay, this doesn't feel to me like a like a team of folks who don't want to engage. This just feels like a team of folks who don't know what that looks like. It just comes off to me like they actually just don't know how. They don't know. Yeah. They know that they're having certain experiences. They know that things are happening to them and they're writing them into the show. But they don't have a deep knowledge of what those things mean contextually and how they apply to larger systems of racism and institutional injustice, right? Like, so I think where a Kenya Barris, he thinks he knows so much and he writes these trash shows, right? We have these other places where we have really beautiful narratives that are developing, but they could really absolutely go deeper if they had some direction about how they could do that in a way that was effective for, like helping to make a, a better vision for what it looks like to be, have a black yeah, art yep. experience. And that's the thing. It's all credit to them for doing it. Right. Right. Because like in the very beginning, we we're talking about the idea that y'all have to innovate and do something new. Right. So credit to them, kudos to them for innovating in this way. Right. And introducing these narratives and introducing these subjects into the greater culture, right. cultural system. Right. But I think that whenever you do that, you're, you know, you're going to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, we're glad you did that. But yeah. now we're looking at it like, right. you could have done better. Yeah, I think, I think, they, and, I think they're kind of scared. You, you I know? think they're kind of scared. So I, I feel that. Like, I actually respect I respect the, the insecure production to, for being like, we're not going to do that because we don't have the range. Right? Like, I, right? I feel like that's what they're saying. We don't have the range to do all of that. We're not trying to do all that. Right? We Here's what we're trying to do. We're going to do what we do well. We're going to stay in our lane. And that's what I'm trying to say. Like, there are opportunities, and these are the opportunities where I think they could improve. But I, I respect the fuck out of them. Because like Ava said, they found them a fucking lane. Mm-hmm. And this season, I was like, bitch, you in your lane. Right in it. Okay, so who else in their lane? Okay, this one's weird, because I actually didn't even watch this. <laughs> Go ahead. So, I feel like this is completely in its lane, because I can't even fucking watch the shit. So, the other day when we tried to watch Hamilton on Disney Plus, and it was on for like one song, and we were like, we looked at each other, and the kids looked at us, and we all, in different words, said, what the fuck is this? Yes. And then we immediately turned it off, and we said, we are never watching that again, and we all promised each other. (laughs) 
that we're not doing that again. We swore it in blood. We swore. Here's the thing. I respect the fuck out of Hamilton. After watching that 13 seconds or three minutes and 13 seconds or whatever longest period of my life I've ever endured that much chitter chatter. You know what I'm saying? That was horrible. <laughs> it was so much squawking. I just felt like... And listen, we are, we are people... Who who like plays? You know when you you we know like when you drama. watch the Alvin and the Chipmunks and you accidentally start thinking, damn, they got they go hard. Like damn, they got they got bars. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Wow. You know, but you <laughs> see what I'm saying? You know when you be watching Disney shit like like kid shit and you be like, this starting to go hard. Yes. That's what I felt like, and I was like, turn this shit off, bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like I had to t- I had a, me and me had a face to face. You, yourself, and you. And me, myself, and me. <laughs> um, and so what I'm saying about Hamilton is what I what I got out of that horrible long, long, long minute that we watched that is that that's some smart fucking shit. Mm-hmm. This nigga, Lin-Manuel Miranda, is a whole non-white person, right? A whole Latinx individual who managed to make a story about a whole white man from history using only people of color, a lot of them black, Mm -hmm. a lot of them queer, Mm -hmm. and rap music. Mm -hmm. And I at first was like, what in the entire fuck is this, right? But then... As that minute progressed, I realized for white people and white adjacent people, that is ambrosia. They are seeing themselves reflected back without their own fucking reflection. Mm-hmm. They are hearing about some shit that they want to hear about. From people who don't look like them. That's the kicker. That's the kicker. The kicker is the people, hold on, catch it, don't look like them. <laughs> and they're, they're used to They're used to being, everything looking like them. Everything looks like them. And yes. the stories and things are reflective of yes. them. And they're meant for them. Yes. And they're like, oh, when I heard about it, it was like this before. I'm like, oh, this. Now they've got the brown people and black people and the Asians and the people in the wheelchairs. I've got to see that. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. Here's the thing. I know that this is not for me and I know that I am not the audience. No. Because I have no interest in learning anything about this motherfucker. Hamilton is not a person who I need to know any more about. I, I don't care about, I don't, I, I don't, they were like, oh, he was a hard worker. I said, oh my God, they are really telling me about this motherfucker. This is what this is really about. <laughs> they were really telling me his fucking history and about his life. I said, oh my God, y'all are serious. I really, I knew it was called Hamilton, but I, you know, again, blackish, black as fuck. Sometimes people be naming shit and they don't mean it. They don't match. They don't mean it. It's a, that's the joke, you know? And so I didn't realize they really meant it. And William Burr starts walking across the stage. And I'm just like, I can't do it anymore. I'm out. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's I, I mean, I got to be honest. It's rough watching a play 
about mm-hmm. these people, you know, that were white people being played by non-white people, knowing that the characters that these non-white people are playing, were they people, would have murdered them. They would have murdered them, or they would have owned them as slaves, or you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a little disconcerting. But what gets me about it is everyone had hyped this up, and I, at one point we were going to go see it, and and that we looked at those ticket prices and said we're not going to go see it. And I'm glad it do was edited. Do you know? Do you know how grateful I am that I was a broke ass nigga the whole time this fucking play was available in the cities that I lived in? Do you know how grateful my ass? I am so. Wow, the ancestors. Oh my god. Do you know how many of my own friends, who are probably listening, I would have punched square in the throats if I had have paid them type of dollars to see this do you know do you know the type of tirade we were on a grad school budget at that point do can you imagine you, can you do, okay wait hold on this is supposed to be a positive hamilton thing i'm sorry but that no that, that's the point that's though. the point though that's the point that's the point though we're holding people accountable yes and on first blush, first blush to me, you watch it and you're like, I need to hold Lin Manuel accountable right. for, this, for this mess right. that he right. put up on here. But he's smart though; he wasn't making that for us. And that's the difference. He wasn't making that for us. That wasn't for us. That wasn't for and us. Th- to me, there was no illusions that no. it was for us. No, no, no. That was for white people who who probably he felt like needed to be you know air quotes woke up or something like that. That was for you know white liberals who were like I need to do better and I need to get comfortable with the colors. But, but here's the other thing. Here's the other thing that I admire about Lin Manuel Miranda in Hamilton mm-hmm. is he used that sh- to me. He's doing what you're supposed to do. Is yep. He used that shit as a Trojan horse. Yep. He did that shit, and he got all of the industry Hell and all these white people behind Everything. him. Like, you just do, we'll just throw money at you, Everything. and you make whatever this you want to do. This nigga got Disney dollars now. The next movie he got coming out is the play that he did before he did Hamilton, which is called In the Heights, which is really about actual Latinx people living Good. in fucking New York. That's what's up. And that's what you're supposed to do. And what did he do? He hired all the same Latinx right. people right. that he right. had already right. worked right. with. Right. And got them bigger and checks. And that's why I fuck with and him. And gonna have them on the fucking And that's why screen. I fuck with him. And this nigga, this is why I fuck with Lin Manuel Miranda. This nigga will be on Twitter. He will go ham on everybody. This nigga, when it came to fucking Hurricane Maria and shit for Puerto Rico, this nigga was like, "Hey, motherfuckers, you need to do your job." Like he was donating and shit. Like he was doing activist work. This is why I fuck with him. This is why. And so when I saw Hamilton, I was like, "Oh my god!" I was disappointed because I was like, "Oh, you one of those?" And then as I was watching, I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. it's a foot in the door tactic. Yep. It's a foot in the door tactic." He's like, "Oh, here's the thing. If white people want to pay me to shit on them for an hour and a half and do it with rap music." And a wig on, and pay a whole bunch of and non-white, pay, uh, non-white right. people to do it, and pay my friends to do it with me, and we can go out and get drinks after. And now I'm about to have big long dollars. And now these niggas got Tonys. As I said at the beginning of this segment, I am not gonna shit on nobody for how they cope with this system, my nigga, nigga. I'm not gonna shit on nobody for how they survive white supremacy and anti-blackness. But, but what I will say is. As we are holding all these people accountable and we're seeing what Lin-Manuel Miranda is doing, I feel like that's what we were low-key expecting right. from these other people. Right. Go ahead and do what you got to do to get where you got to get. Right. You know? But, we but still when ex- you're there, yes. we expect for you to, to still yes. show up for And we're going to hold you accountable because when you we get were, there. we were supporting you when we were like, mm, it's right. kind of iffy, but we're right. still going to be in your corner. Right. Right. When we, we're rooting for you. 
Right. Because you were black. Right. Right. And you were in the corner of black people. And that's conditional, boo-boo. That's conditional, boo-boo. That's conditional upon you being accountable to the folks who held your ass down. And that's what people keep saying to Tyler Perry. People say the same thing to Tyler Perry. Nigga, when you was on that chilling circuit, black women was coming from after church. They was getting all their friends together. They was getting all the little church mothers and deaconesses together and going to your place. And then the same people you writing about in them damn plays now, in them damn movies now, and dragging all up and down across the stage and dragging all up across the damn theater and treating like we ain't shit. That's what we are saying. That's what we're talking about with accountability, not cancellation. We are saying that rooting and shit was conditional upon you not treating us like shit later on. You can find my mom and dad, aka That Black Couple, on the web at thatblackcouple.com. That Black Couple is owned and operated by Color Convos Media. If you would like to help fund our content, sign up at www.patreon.com slash coloredconvosmedia. Please consider giving $5 or $10 per month to help us build our platform and grow our organization. You can also give one-time donations at www.paypal.me forward slash watercoolerconvos. All donations are welcome. And we are back. We back. Go we back. Go we back. Oh, it's been a minute. I know. Well, now it is time for the reflection. Yep. And as, as I was thinking about this episode, thinking about all these different creators and all the shows that they've done, and really how when they started, we were all in the corner and we were supporting them. Like even, especially when you think about a show like Scandal. Oh, yeah. When you think about the, if you remember that first season actually did not do well. No. Like the people were scared it was going to get canceled. And we because, had a tweet about it all the time. Yeah, the ratings were not high, but you know, black America came mm-hmm. in and said, no, we want this and we're going to support it. That's and when live tweeting was birthed. Yeah. It came from that show. Yeah. And you know, that's how it became successful because we were in this corner. And i just, to me, I just feel like a lot of these things we support really early on because we do support blackness. And a lot of them to me, even, even like thinking about Issa with, with how she did awkward black girl. Yeah. A lot of these things are, they're, they're like the underground. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things that other people don't see, mm-hmm. but as with a lot of things with, with black culture, they start small with this, with a select group of people who are just onto something, who are feeling it. Mm-hmm. And as it starts to permeate out, it starts to change. The gaze comes in, comes into play. And all of a sudden you're dealing with a whole completely different entity. Yep. And I feel like it, it's funny because you always make fun of me for this, but <laughs> there's this, there's this phenomenon <laughs> that I have latched onto and, and you can find all this stuff on YouTube really easily, but People put out these songs, they take popular songs, and they slow them down, and they also reverb the sound. It's called slowed and reverb. It's, it's weird. It's really weird, it, it, but the whole point of it is it makes songs hit just real different. It sounds like a scary movie, but yes, continue. It doesn't. It, I know it sounds like a scary movie in what, what, how I'm describing it. No, but, I'm saying the actual music sounds like a no, scary No, we're not going to do this. Okay, anyway, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> but th- think about it. It's, it just makes songs hit differently. And a lot of it is because it's, it slows it down and you can really listen to the lyricism of mm-hmm. these words. And so a lot of times the, the songs that I like most are not the popular songs. It, it's the songs that are less popular because you can really pay attention to the words. Mm-hmm. You can really pay attention to like the meticulous production work that goes into the creation mm, of these songs yeah and a lot of times when you're listening to them you hear the the completed production you're like oh this sounds good you slow it down you're like wow they really 
every yeah. single sound they placed in a specific yeah. spot and then yeah. you can hear it more clearly when it's drawn out and even even to me it makes you even appreciate people's talents more like mm. like one thing i've seen a lot of times is if you listen to a janae aiko song yeah who she's a good singer yeah if you listen to her slowed and reverb it sounds like beyonce is singing her songs <laughs> like legit it sound it doesn't sound like it's her it sounds like beyonce yeah. which makes me go oh i can appreciate i can appreciate her actual singing ability more because yeah. you get to hear more of the texture and more yeah. of the technique that she's employing in singing her songs and so to me all of this is kind of like that same thing right yeah. like I want I want to slow down. I want to appreciate what goes into the work. I want to appreciate the artistry. I want someone to take care with the artistry when it comes to entertainment, when it comes to the characters that they're creating, when it yeah. comes to the storylines that they're telling. All of these things. I want someone to have that level of care put yeah. into every second of what they're creating because they should love and care for black people in that way. Yes. And so when we, like we said, when we're holding these people accountable, it's because there's instances where I feel like they didn't necessarily do that. Yeah. It's like when we watched the second Trolls movie. What? Oh, I got it. Wait for it, y'all. I got it. I know, I know y'all, <laughs> I know y'all like Trolls. What? I got it. No, I definitely but got it. <laughs> stick with me on this. It's a kids movie. It's great. Yeah. Ha ha. It's funny. Ha ha. Yeah. There's a moment where they take a they take yeah. a good five ten minutes. Yeah. And just I'm not gonna give you the whole movie, but it's talking about all the different forms of music. And they get to you know a sect of trolls that yeah. make funk music, and they have a whole song that's yeah. basically like, oh, these pop trolls came in and they laid they they took what we did and they smoothed it out yeah. and they put a little drum on it yeah. and they made it their own and they just. They took what we they yeah. took our masterful art yeah. and they just you know made it cute and poppy yeah. and that's not cool y'all yeah. stole it <laughs> and we're gonna hold you accountable you stole it that's what happened <laughs> and I feel like that's the same thing that what we're getting at is you know you think about like Issa Rae like she's an awkward black girl and there was just so much goodness yeah. like she didn't have no budget she was asking people for money so she, she could make she was a new so episode broke. But it was so much goodness. She shot so, so much, much of that movie in her own car. <laughs> but, but that's the thing, right? It was it was the amount of care because she was scratching and clawing for everything. So mm. she she took so much effort and so much care was put Sorry, into that every... show. That show. She shot that show in her. I said her movie. Yeah, it wasn't a movie. I mean, we no. watched it like a we movie. Watched we like watched it like a movie. We watched it nonstop. But yes, but yeah. she had the show in her car. She put, she put that level of care into every moment because it was literally like this is the money that I got in right. my, my bank account. Right, it, had, it, had, it actually affected her. Like, she had studio time. Right. And, like, if she didn't hit that shit, it, didn't, it, it didn't wasn't coming it. back. Yeah. You know? And so, and I feel like what happens is people get platforms, they get budgets, and then sometimes they lose a little bit of sight of that level of investment and care. You know why? It gets muddied. They don't, to me, and this is where I was saying about Hamilton, they don't control as much of the narrative. Right. That's, to me, where Hamilton wins right because the way that productions work in in fine arts performance the artist controls the narrative the artist can do whatever the fuck they want especially if people are paying for it Mm -hmm. right this is why they can get up and say horrible things to mike pence as he's the sitting vice president it doesn't matter who who paid money to see to come there right like that's that's what happens and so so for folks who are in uh, film and TV, right? Owning the narrative, it doesn't work the same way unless they own the production house, unless they own... Literally, mm-hmm. the, the hierarchy is so vertically difficult to own, right? Whereas when you're writing a play, 
you at the top. That's it. You win, right? Like you it's, own the production. You own the production. And so that's to me what you're talking about is this this issue with owning the narrative. Is that the more you get embedded in these institutions, the more they own your narrative, and those institutions are inherently white supremacist and anti-black. Doesn't right. matter. Period. All institutions are because that's how the world is made. That's what that's what we live in. We are socialized. All of us up underneath white supremacy and anti-blackness. So that's to me what I hear when I hear what you're saying. That's exactly what it is. Oh. Well, that to me, well, then my reflection goes directly hand in hand with that, which is for me, my ethos is like, it's not just about loving black people, right? It's like, it's not just about rooting for black people or loving black people. You got to love all the black people. Like it can't just be some of the black people. Like it can't be the ones that have money and wear like the jackets with the rectangles cut out the clavicles, right? And I'm not saying this is right. I'm just saying like, it has to be love that is also reflective and nuanced and has depth, right? And to me, love, love is justice in public, but justice that is accountable. And so if we love, you know, one another, and if we love all black people, then we should be totally fine with being accountable to them. And we should be totally fine with if folks say, hey, yeah, when it comes to this, the way you are representing sex on on this show or, or fatness or uh, mental health and disabilities, like it should be totally fine to be like, hey, yeah, you're right. And I need to do better because I do love, I love all black people, not just the ones that are legible to me, not just the ones who reflect my own experiences, all of them. And that's what I'm hoping. Like, I feel like this moment gives us an opportunity to some, maybe get to that, like somehow get to that where our, our entertainers and artists do understand our framework of loving all black people and not just loving the black people who look like them, but maybe also reproduce the shit that hurts most black people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hopeful. But in the meantime, I'm not rooting for everybody black. <laughs> I'm rooting for everybody who loves all black people. Derricka Purnell said on Twitter that she's rooting for um, people who are who are against the oppression of black people, right? And I think that's good too. I think we have to qualify yes. our rooting for black people, right? I really do. And I think we have to be careful um, to essentialize blackness as as solidaritists because honestly it tends to be the people who are most vulnerable within blackness who get harmed the most sometimes a black person winning is not blackness winning no often listen so <laughs> often. We, should not, we should not be rooting for a black person to win if it's at our detriment right i mean shit if we want to talk about barack obama that's Okay, we don't have time to talk about Barack Obama. We don't have time to talk about Barack Obama. But the point being that, yes, descriptive uh, folks who look like us, right, is not necessarily going to be somebody who substantively does work that uh, advocates for the concerns of, of black folks. So we have to be careful when we say we're rooting for everybody black, and we have to make sure that we're rooting for people who love all black people. Thank you all for listening. Before you go, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at that BLK couple, on Facebook at that black couple, and look us up on the internets at www.thatblackcouple.com. Bye.